Diamond Answer Man Show, Season 3, Episode 3, Synthetic Diamonds, To Have and To Hold, From This Day Forward for Better or for Worse. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Jay Christopher Gertz. This is the Diamond Answer Man Show, where our goal is to help each other learn more about the world of diamonds and feel confident about those purchases and help us memorialize our special moments. You can reach me at diamondanswerman.com, where on the right-hand side of my side, I've got a little speak pipe app. If you've got a microphone on your computer or your tablet or your cell phone, you can send me a message right through there. This week, we answer a question about synthetic diamonds. Well, hello, everyone. This week, we're going to be talking about synthetic diamonds. Thanks to a gentleman who sent me an email message in through the little app or the phone uh, number that I have on the website there, which is diamondanswerman.com. Uh, by the way, you can also reach me at or on Twitter at D-A-M-J-C-G-U-R-I-T-Z. You can send me a, a direct message there or send me a tweet if you'd like. On my website there, you can also reach me on Google Plus and LinkedIn, just right there on that right-hand side of the site. So anyway, if you'd like to hear from me, I'd love to answer your questions. I have fun doing so. I really enjoy it. Of course, it helps us be a little more interactive on the show. So I'm looking forward to this question. It's been a couple of weeks since I had a, a good question like this, and I think it's a very important one. And our, our, our voicemail message was left by a gentleman by the name of Honor, and uh, his question was... Um, what is my opinion on synthetic diamonds? And having had the experience I've had in the industry, of course, back even in the late 1900s, 1900s, wow, I'm really old, in the late 19, um, 1990s, excuse me, 1900s, I'm crispy, aren't I? The late 1990s, I had the opportunity to, of course, work with and talk with people who were doing experimental research in chemical vapor deposition. They were doing this at Stanford University when I was in California, and I was about, I don't know, about five miles away from where they were doing the research there. So a little, little bit of a background, and of course, working with the diamond companies I've worked with, I've worked with uh, seeing uh, the experiments that had come out with the high-pressure, high-temperature synthetics, high-pressure, high-temperature uh, color changes that went on in the industry with the different types of diamonds. So I have quite a bit of experience and quite a bit of uh, fun as I've had with them. So I, I guess we'll go ahead and start off with our question from Honor. So let me go ahead and, and uh, push my old-school tape player and get this question started. lab-grown diamonds such as those created by Genesis or Washington Diamonds Corporation. I see on your site that you have plenty of articles on various aspects of those companies, there's some scandals and such, but I didn't immediately see anything about the stones themselves. What do you think about those gems for use in something like an engagement ring in terms of the quality, performance, price point, etc.? Period. I'd really love to hear your feedback. Please let me know. Uh, thanks. 
All right, that's a really, really, really good question. Um, I, I, you know, I think I have to start off with the basics who, why, where, when, what, and how. You know, when we talk about synthetic diamonds, you know, you, you want to know my opinion. But what's most important is her opinion. You specifically stated for an engagement ring. And I think we have to ask why synthetic. And I think there are many questions and many more than what I'm going to pose today. But I think some of those questions, besides who is it for and what is the occasion, why synthetic, I mean, we can look up on the Internet. We can find out all about the different types of th- synthetics. You know, I just mentioned a couple of the chemical, cap- chemical vapor deposition and the high pressure, high temperature. For the basics of it, of course, the chemical vapor deposition, for those who uh, will gloss over if I go too far into this, it's basically turning your elements into gases. And, of course, as they settle, they form into this sheet-like diamond. Um, Cool technology. I think that we'll probably see a lot more of this coming out in the future. And hopefully, I know lots of people have talked about diamond, uh, you know, crystals used for the the, uh, glass on your cell phones and those kinds of things to really make them more or less, I guess if I loosely use the term, indestructible. And uh, then, of course, with the high pressure, high temperature, generally you start with a seed crystal and then you use, of course, the elements that go into making a diamond, which is carbon. Um, And you use that high pressure, high temperature technique to push it all together. It gets really, really hot, and of course it forms a diamond. There's many theories that go into this, whether or not that they're they're uh, more like as it happens, as the earth formed and formed those stones, or whether it happens in, in gaseous forms um, in other ways, in, in, in that outer portion, in the, in the, uh, uh, the, not the atmosphere, but in space and those kinds of things, and how it may happen in other worlds and, and all those sorts of theoretical aspects of it, chemical vapor deposition. But we're doing all sorts of cool things like that today. And it gives us the opportunity to use them in many ways. I think, so I think the, to, the way to answer the question directly is why do you want to use one in an engagement ring? And, and what would the reasons be? So the, the three that I could come up with why one person would use a synthetic diamond, and I think they're all legitimate, um, the first question would be is, is can you save money? And that can be true. You can save money buying a synthetic diamond, just not very much. It's still quite expensive to produce synthetic diamonds. And it's very, very difficult to produce them in a quantity um, to handle what might be the uh, demand, right, for certain types of stones for the longest time. It, with the high pressure, high temperature, they weren't able to produce uh, uh, fully formed diamonds in the color ranges that everyone was asking for. I remember just about, I don't know, 10 years ago, and it was a hot-button topic, and, and everyone was calling about synthetics. And I was actually selling some synthetics along with naturals, and everybody wanted colorless. And unfortunately, everything that was being produced was these really fun, fancy yellows and yellowish browns and those those different colors. And, and, you know, a lot of these companies advertised that they were able to produce them in fancy colors other than yellow and that they had these colorless variants that they were able to produce. But unfortunately, none of them came 
to fruition at that time. Now today, different story, you know, chemical vapor deposition has come along, and of course there's been some advancement in the high pressure, high temperatures, and now we're seeing these sorts of stones around, just not in quantities we would want. Now, let's go back. You can save money on a synthetic stone. Not a whole lot. We're talking about percentages that are that are not really something that um, you would drop and run and pick one up. I mean, other than, other than, you know, a lot of times people want something for half the price or or less than that to get a synthetic. Now, here's here's the thing that I would like to say is that, yes, you might be able to save a little bit of money if, that's the big if, you could find the size, color, and clarity that you wanted, which is the big if, buy your lottery ticket now. Um, it's, it's unlikely. You're going to have to accept what's available. And even if you do purchase one, the savings isn't going to be as great as you might like. Remember, you have this sort of balancing act. You're buying something that's man-made as opposed to something that came out of the ground, right? So there's the natural aspect, and then there's the man-made aspect. So our perception on the reduction in price because it's man-made, it's not quite met what that difference would be so we so the consumers even myself driven to go buy one now that being said the price difference isn't enough to create the huge demand or the desire or to eliminate the fact that that you're even asking me the question because if the price was cheap enough you wouldn't even worry about it um and you may even buy one for yourself if it were cheap enough it'd just be a, a fun sort of novelty idea but you got this balancing act you go you know, with yourself emotionally, you know, is it, a, is it a good idea? Isn't it a good idea? I'll tell you one way it's not a good idea, right? It, it, it depends on the occasion. And I think, unfortunately, when we buy something, whether it's, not whether, but really when it becomes a piece of jewelry, when we buy it, we inevitably sort of emotionally think about there's two things. It doesn't matter. It's my gift. I want to give it. I want. I want her to feel good about it. I want to feel good about giving it. Um, but I also look at it like, uh, what's its value? And of course, we've had many, many conversations about value. When you buy a diamond, it is not an investment, no matter what anybody tells you in any jewelry store. It's an investment in the relationship as you memorialize that 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 moment that meaning everything that goes behind it there's a reason you give the ring of course we can talk about all the the different current you know uh, the traditions that we have and the past traditions and there's all the arguments of w- w- whether or not those come together it doesn't really matter in our culture in our day and age it, it is our tradition to give an engagement ring um, to your your wife to be now, that being said, as guys and even gals, we think about its value, and we get in the whole debate of appraisals and, and whether or not the appraisal is valued correctly, whether or not the gemological report affects its value. You know, we're talking about values, and we start measuring what we paid for it and, and what its value is in our head mathematically. So let's talk about some basics behind it. If, if a person which is not the reason you buy an engagement ring. It's not, 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 not that you're, um, how do I say it? You're not investing in it, but and if there came a point in time where you needed to liquidate 
this ring. That means if you had to sell it and get some monies back out of this ring, being a natural stone, it's far easier. And I'm telling you, it's not even in the same galaxy when you buy a synthetic stone. When you buy a synthetic stone, even if the price were half, so if you spent $5,000 on a natural diamond and you spent $2,500 on the synthetic diamond, you sell the synthetic diamond, you sell the natural diamond. Let's say you get some guy out there, and I'm not saying these are numbers. I'm just throwing numbers out there. So please do not twist what I'm saying. But if you take that $5,000 diamond, and it depends on where you buy it, and you sell it to some guy, you liquidate it out, it's a fire sale, you sell it for $2,500. You get $2,500 back. If you have a synthetic diamond you bought for $2,500, you'd be lucky if you get a couple hundred dollars for it. So your value of the two stones, and that'd be, I'm saying you'd be lucky to get a couple hundred dollars for it unless you deceive someone and trick them into thinking it was a natural stone. Most dealers today, most people today do not buy, sell, resell, um, deal in estate stones that are synthetic. And I think that would be true for any kind of synthetic stone. So when you look at synthetic sapphires and synthetic rubies and synthetic, um, all the different kinds of stones that we have that are synthetic today, when you go to sell something like that, even if it's a branded stone, a created, lab-grown, fancy gem, it's difficult to get into a market to where there's some manner that you can easily recover a good amount, right, of what you put into it. It's not possible. It's a complete loss. So can you save money? Well, yes and maybe no. It depends on how you look at how you feel the value should be. I would still say we don't buy gifts, so we think about them like that, but that's one way to look at it. I didn't buy my wife's engagement ring thinking about, wow, I could liquidate at a later point for this much money. I bought it because I, I wanted to give her a nice gift. But when you buy a synthetic stone, you have to look at the fact that today's day and age and the technology has changed, right? So we're talking about late 90s to today, the ability to produce colorless stones in the quantity we can today set the value. If and when competitors come into the market, and since this is still a reasonably new, right? So we're talking about 50, 60-year-old technology, However, there's been advancements in the last couple of decades. Producing synthetics is going to become a larger and larger movement. That will, in turn, create better and better stones, larger stones, because that's about technology, at the same or lower price. So whatever you buy today in a synthetic will be worth less five or ten years from now, same kind of quality, same kind of size. It's inevitable. I mean, you look at your computer from ten years ago, what it does, its speed, its performance. You spend $1,100 ten years ago. You spend $1,100 today. Your computer today for $1,100 is light years ahead of your computer ten years ago for $1,100. So what you get from it is much, much more. That is, that is the way it works when you're talking about us being able to create something like this. Synthetics would fall into that same sort of uh, uh, trade and commerce uh, ability to be able to 
produce better. That's the goal. More efficient, greater quantity, greater size, greater ability to produce them. Um, I already said that, but quantity so you can get them to market. Ease of getting them to market. These will always, always, always at a later date have this issue of being driven down price-wise. Competitors enter the market. You don't have that same sort of scenario when you talk about natural stones. It's expensive to mine natural stones. There are other mining companies out there. However, it's completely, completely different. The market is different. So that's point one. Save money? I don't think so. So I don't, I don't see any benefit there. Your, your investment, which was worth zero the minute you buy it and you walk out this, the door, it's still worth less even if you were to sell it 10 years from now because the ability to produce bigger, greater, better stones are going to be, it's, it's going to be better or less expensive. So it, it, you can't weigh the two against each other. It's not a good idea when you think about it like that. So the other question is, is, well, what about the environment? Yeah, I'm environmentally conscious. I mean, everybody today is thinking about green technologies and those kinds of things. How is this going to affect whether it, it toxifies my, my neighborhood, um, it affects the ozone, it affects all these different things. I'm throwing greenhouse gases and, and all the different hot-button subjects we have today. Well, I want to tell you that producing synthetic diamonds is it, it, you still have costs of fuel, you still have costs of electricity, and you, st- and you still have all these variables that go into buying the machines, recycling the machines, discarding the machines, discarding the product that's produced, the, the after you, know, you produce this, what, what goes with all the other stuff that goes into making synthetics just like you would if you were producing or, or trying to mine a diamond out of the ground, right? It, it produces other elements that are, 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 are destructive when done in the wrong way, and there is no getting around it. When we as human beings make anything, there's byproduct that's waste. We have to in some way recycle it or remove it or, or, or discard it which, is, which limits its ability to damage the environment, right? So we, th- we think about it like that. And synthetic diamonds do the same thing. There's a waste byproduct for this. And then there's this cost that goes into it, the, the fuels and electricity and all the different elements. And I, you know, there's not a lot of people talking about what they have that's going into these stones. And so what happens with all this waste byproduct that comes out afterwards? It's no different than a battery. You know, we, we talk about cars that have batteries in them or the batteries I use and any of the electronics I have. You have to discard a battery. So batteries and those in the electricities, we're not going to get into the debate about nuclear versus coal versus fossil fuels and all, all these different kinds of things. The fact is that when you buy something that's made in a laboratory, there is an expense that goes with it that affects environment negatively. No different than when you mine a stone. It may be more visual and more obvious. However, it still has an impact which isn't positive. The difference would be is how we like to label it or describe it. So you can't really weigh the two against each other. The cost of producing synthetic stones isn't always, I shouldn't say it isn't always, there's not a lot of people talking about, hey, this is what my costs are. There are some research uh, papers that are out there. You can, you can Google this. You can find it. 
different costs in different areas, what the fuel costs are, different kilowatt hours, all sorts of different things that go into it. And when we look at some of these reports, synthetic diamonds fall in that mid-range, though in some really crazy areas to mine a diamond, it can cost a whole lot more. You know, you look at uh, areas in, you know, northern Canada or out there in Russia where it's the, the ground is really hard. You talk about costs of electricity and kilowatt hours and those kinds of things. And then you have other mines, which it's very inexpensive to mine comparative even to producing a synthetic diamond. So there is always an environmental cost. So we can't even use that as a variable. So if it was being used, unfortunately, you can't use it. So the other thing would be is that I could think of, well, why, why else would I want a synthetic diamond? Well, maybe because it's conflict-free, right? So we have, we have issues around the world that, that we have trade problems in different countries, especially in Africa, um, where they, we've all heard of, it, heard of it, and we've seen the movie, right or wrong, and how much it, it tells us and how long it was going on. Um, we're not talking about that, but it's conflict-free. Well, there's no getting around it. If you want that 100,000% guarantee it's conflict-free, you still can't say it. Because the elements that go into making it still have to be, they don't, I should say, they, they don't come out of thin air. You have to mine some product that goes into creating, right, creating synthetic stones. So I'm saying that synthetic stones are conflict-free, and I can go, I can go to a jewelry store and buy a conflict-free diamond. We only obviously know these kinds of things when we have transparency in the market. We have people dealing honestly and ethically. But the elements that go into making synthetics still have to come from somewhere, right? So depends on where they come from. Um, all around the world, these elements can come. So they're not, they're not just mined in, in our backyard here in the United States. So all, all the different elements that go into this come from all around the world. We, 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 we just don't know. And, you know, we can argue about it. We can debate it. We can discuss it over coffee. We can do all sorts of great things. The fact is, is that you can go to your jewelry store, and if you use the right documentation, you can, of course, make sure that your jeweler, and they should always be dealing with the uh, diamonds who, uh, diamond dealers and jewelers who uh, adhere to the Kimberly Act, which I don't think is, is as strong as it, sh- as it could be. They should make that a little bit stronger agreement. There's ways to get around those kinds of things, but uh, I-, I think that uh, when you buy a diamond here in the United States... Here in the United States, when you buy a stone, you can be fairly confident that it's a conflict-free stone. I, 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 would, I would hands down put that, put that on paper. I, I think you could feel it. However, if you wanted the jeweler to be able to validate, not validate, but I should say stand behind whether or not their diamond was ethically mined, I urge you to download my affidavit of diamond buying agreement from the website. Make them sign it. Make them fill it out. Make them make the different notes of your colors and clarities and all those things that go into it and what kind of laboratory report it is. Make them sign that it's conflict-free, or or I should say the verbiage I use on the report is ethically mined. I think that's a much better way to, uh, to, to make the statement. So, what are the reasons you would buy a synthetic diamond? I would love to hear from you. I mean, I have my opinion. I would like to know your opinion as you listen to the show. 
You can email me at jchristophergeritz at diamondanswerman.com. You can send me a voicemail message direct there through that speak pipe on the right-hand side. I would love to hear what you have to say. Maybe you disagree with everything I've just said. I'd love to hear that, too. You can send me a message through, and I I will happily um, use that on further future shows that I have. Um, But just a little, little bit of a tip. You know, there's a little bit piece of history, not necessarily a tip. I, you know, have had the ability to work in a diamond polishing facility where you polish the stones. And, uh, you know, there's, there's different growth rings that go into producing HPHT. I haven't necessarily seen this, know, know of it even existing in the uh, chemical vapor deposition, but I'm sure it's there. There are ways that someone can tell how something has grown almost immediately. You know, you can see it in the stone itself. And uh, you, don't, you don't need some of these fancy tools that go out there. You just have to have the, the right tools, analog tools, believe it or not. Not even, not even digital tools to be able to tell the difference. But if you have the right lighting environment to create the right types of light as it, as it interacts on the inside of the stone, you can tell. And, uh, and uh, you know, there, there are companies, I should say, there are people out there who, who have done this and uh, produced it. It's inexpensive to produce devices like this, but um, not a lot of money making in it. So, of course, they come up with all these fantastic devices that cost lots of money that we can patent and sell over and over again. Um, but anyway, it, it's fun. I've seen some really incredible stones produced, um, polished to um, what we could say is perfection as far as performance. And so the question that Honor also had is, is how, you know, how well are they made? You know, it depends on, on, on who cut them. And uh, I, I have not seen too many stones that uh, would perform to what we may call a hearts and arrows performance, or for that matter, you know, even better than that. Um, you know, the, the polishers that are polishing them um, are polishing nice stones. But performance-wise speaking, uh, I haven't seen too many hearts and arrows type performance, though that could change with this show. Maybe somebody will send me an email message with an attachment that has an image of one. But um, they're just generically produced, ideally made stones, some of them. And, uh, you know, so as far as performance, they're, they're all, you're going to find a range. You're going to find some that do very well. You're going to find some that do poorly, just like you will find out in uh, the world of natural gemstones, you know. So it's very few people are producing fantastically made natural stones, more so today than it was, you know, 30 years ago. Um, but the, uh, the difference would be is in the synthetics. Not too many people are polishing them to the degree you're polishing your natural stones. So anyway, so saving money? I don't think so. I think in the long run, you'll lose your money. Um, save the environment? No, there's environmental costs that go into everything, and producing something synthetic still has an environmental impact. Save a life, conflict-free. You know, I think we're fairly confident today that when you buy a diamond in the United States, that it is conflict-free. 
Um, you know, so you, you have your own opinions, and I have my own opinions, and I would love, again, to hear from you. Anyway, I thank you so much for listening to this show. You may contact me at jchristophergritz at diamondanswerman.com. You may reach me at uh, on Twitter at the at symbol at D-A-M-J-C-G-R-I-T-Z. You may reach me at Google+, jchristophergritz at Google+, and also on LinkedIn. I would love to absolutely hear from you. So if you've got a question, send it in. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to answer it. At least give you my opinion. Again, you may not agree with it, but uh, I've got one. I've been doing this a long time, and uh, I, I look forward to the interaction we can have talking about these subjects. Anyway, have, have a nice night. Thank you.